this opening on the eve of my 33rd birthday was a very spiritually driven number mm. uh, and I was never the same. That was it. Like, I was gone. The subconscious mind opened uh, and I was pretty much thrown off the edge of a cliff. That's how I describe it. And I, instead of dying, I landed at the bottom of this dark decade of the soul of suffering. And I had to find, I had to climb out of it. But it took five years to even get a ladder. Five years down in the deepest darkness. But what doesn't destroy you makes you. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of sacred journeys, spirit encounters, near-death experiences, angels, mysteries, marvels and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary people reveal their extraordinary encounters. I acknowledge the Darawal people who are the traditional custodians of the land of Sutherland Shire in Australia, where I live and record Spirit Sisters, and I recognise their continuing connection to lands, waters and community. I pay respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to Elders past, present and emerging. You're listening to Spirit Sisters. I'm your host, Karina Machado. Thank you for joining us today for part two of my conversation with Australian spiritual teacher and author Tash McKenna. What does forgiveness mean to you? As I publish this podcast on a very wet and rainy day in Sydney, mainstream news sites are full of the story of the Abdallah family from the Sydney suburb of Oatlands, who were invited to share their extraordinary story of forgiveness with the Vatican. On a summer's day in 2020, the Abdallahs lost three of their six children, Sienna, Angelina and Anthony, to a driver affected by drugs and alcohol. The kids were on a walk to buy ice cream, and their cousin, Veronique, also died. What caught the world's attention was the way Danny and Leila Abdallah publicly and very swiftly forgave the driver. They talk about forgiveness as a means to heal and not retreat into hatred. As I honour the Abdullahs and their immense courage today, I think of what forgiveness has meant to me over the years. What I've found is that where there is unforgiveness, there is no growth or life or flourishing of creativity. There is no progress or joy. We cannot access love from a space of unforgiveness, and that must always be to everyone's detriment. In part two of our conversation today, Tash McKenna shares how she arrived at her teaching of true forgiveness, as she calls it, a tool that she has discovered to be utterly transformational in her journey of trauma to peace. If you haven't listened to part one with Tash, please scroll down and listen to that first so that you can follow on today. In that first episode, Tash told us about how as an eight-year-old trauma survivor, she heard the audible voice of God, an encounter which sparked the beginning of a 40-year spiritual odyssey that led her into the deepest suffering. Today, Tash shares how receiving the teachings of the treasure map of true forgiveness, faith, and the I forgive principle lit a way out of darkness for her, and she tells us of her hopes that they may also support others who are struggling. In this episode, Tash also shares more about her understanding of time, about dreams she had two decades ago that planted the seed for her work today, 
about the ways we constantly project our turmoil outwardly unless we awaken from ego identification. As Tash says, what's inside of you is what you experience outside of yourself in time. We also discuss how the work of healing ourselves is essentially what heals all of us. Editing the podcast, it struck me that Tasha's teachings echo the Hawaiian spiritual tradition of Ho'oponopono, which some of you might be familiar with. It too lays out forgiveness as a path to inner peace and teaches that we must forgive within in order to see results without. In the practice of Ho'oponopono, we're encouraged to repeat the words, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, thank you. As with Tasha's treasure map, this mantra is intended to undo false beliefs in our subconscious mind that will in turn transform our outer experience. As in our first episode, Tash launches the show with a mini treasure map of Forgiving Within, a rhythmic song of prayer to open our conversation. In my imagination, these words of forgiveness are released like doves of peace into our hurting world. Again, I invite you to open wide your heart and mind to take your time with these teachings which reference A Course in Miracles. For anyone who'd like to learn more about A Course in Miracles, which I consider the most extraordinary channeled text of the 20th century, I've included a link below. Tash has also kindly offered our listeners 10 prize packs of the Treasure Map ebook and A Course in Miracles Explained mini-course, which includes a meditation and journal. These will go to the first 10 listeners to message me via my website, karinamachado.com. So go ahead and drop me a line. Lastly, please note that this episode references an eating disorder and acute PTSD. If you need support and you're in Australia, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Outside of Australia, please search out your local support services. Enjoy part two of my conversation with Tash McKenna, sharing how true forgiveness healed her life. Welcome back to Spirit Sisters, Natasha. Thank you, Karina. I'm so happy to be here. It's so wonderful to pick up our conversation and right at the top of the show, I'd like to let everyone know, because I'm not sure I made this clear last time, that this is actually the first time you're sharing your story publicly. Yes, it is. And uh, I needed someone that I trusted uh, to share this truth. So thank you for showing up for me and supporting the treasure map of true forgiveness, faith and the I forgive principle. Well, I'm happy to do that. And I feel that we're a team in this. Yeah, likewise. Okay. So when we left off at the end of our first conversation, you'd shared a spiritually transformative experience during which you were, as you say, taken outside of time. Now, I'd like to pick up there because I know that over the years you've had quite a few insights into the nature of time. So first, before we um, talk more about that, could you just briefly recap that spiritually transformative experience of being taken outside of time? Okay, so thank you for that. Prior to me uh, diving into that story, though, I would like to clear the space with the treasure map. Okay. And uh, offer the true forgiveness prayer, which is a true prayer by removing the layers of darkness that the ego uh, projects uh, so that we can allow this truth of God to come forth and to spring up. So if you're okay with that, I'd like to do the true forgiveness prayer. Go ahead, Tash. Okay. Before I start this, I'd like to just let the listeners know how to complete this. You take your awareness from your thinking mind, your brain, and you drop it deep down into the lower gut area, there's a thick barrier that's kind of like a gate. Now, this gate 
keeps this this right mind of peace and love, this wholeness of your being is hidden underneath this. So we clean each layer with the I forgive principle and we just keep diving deeper down so we get out of the ego mind, uh, which is the mind of judgment and attack, and we find this right mind that teaches these spiritual truths that we are being and not body. So if they do want to do this, I highly recommend. Uh, it will completely transform their life, but I'll do it now to uh, clean up the darkness. So I'll go within now. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive today. I forgive today. I forgive today. I forgive the need to not be stuck in today. I forgive the need to be free from today. I forgive the need to be free from the fear of today. I forgive the need to find the right mind today. I forgive the right mind. I forgive the revelation of the right mind. I forgive the need for God to be present in the right mind. I forgive the presence of God. I forgive the presence of God. I forgive the need to call forth the presence of God. I forgive requesting the presence of God. I forgive requesting the presence of God. I forgive requesting God. I forgive the need to request God. I forgive the need to have God. I forgive the need to have God. I forgive the need to have God. I forgive God. I forgive leaving God. I forgive us for leaving God. I forgive the separation God. I forgive the need to not be separate from God. I forgive the separation God. I forgive the need to reveal the truth of the separation God. I forgive the need to explain the truth of the separation God. I forgive the separation God. I forgive the misperception of the separation God. I forgive the misperception. Okay, well, uh, that was it. Uh, a short mini, mm. mini map, uh, mini prayer to God. So I'm just uh, removing the darkness in this space between us and allowing this truth of light that connects us to, um, to come forward. Now, getting back to the question you asked me about time. So time belongs to the ego mind. It cannot be denied because it is true to all of us that appear here to be the ego. However... We must awaken from time. That is a true goal. Uh, to do this, there's many pathways back to God. The one that I'm sharing with you now is uh, called the treasure map of true forgiveness, faith, and the I forgive principle. And it takes you from the ego mind that tells you that you are the body of separation and uh, that time is true to take you to this right mind hidden deep within in the subconscious mind that teaches that you are the being of perfect love. And this is actually what offers the happy dream in time because you're undoing the guilt within the ego mind to find this truth of peace, love and innocence within, which when you extend this outwards, it it lightens up what you see because you've removed the veil of darkness from your mind. So you'll see with the innocent eyes of a child, which is what Jesus was speaking about. But once you know your being, you really start to learn that you're not bound by time and that you are everything and not nothing. But this experience that where I was taught about uh, escaping time it was showing me that all these uh, intervals of time, these different decades, they actually all happen simultaneously in the one mind. I was taken outside of these different decades uh, or these different centuries, I, I might add, different lifetimes that we appear to be, that this split mind that is the, the son of God that is dreaming and, yeah, taken far out. You have to awaken completely and all of us that are here, we have this idea of guilt within and we're not going to be perfect and... None of us that are here, we all have darkness to undo. 
that includes myself. So I'm not putting myself on a pedestal, even though I'm presenting these teachings of God to you. I'm the same as you. We're, we're all the same. We're in this boat together. But we, we must learn to awaken from time. And, and to do that, you truly forgive everything. And um, even when you die in these near-death experiences, these are still part of this samsara, the belief in birth, death, rebirth. It's, um, it's an ego trick to kind of keep us trapped to the belief in separation. So we must wake to know that we are the same, not different. And then once we completely awaken, we will leave time altogether and take our place as the son of God that we are in truth. And this is behind all of these, uh, what we see in the world of form, such as people and roads and cars and traffic, uh, this belief in separation, this blanket of God, this wholeness is behind these images of separation. That's the only way I can describe mm. it. Uh, and, and that was revealed to me to me in a moment of, of great despair many years ago. Uh, and I, I feel guided to share this story. So when I was going through my uh, dark decade of the soul, as I like to call it, because it was a 10-year a a period, towards the end of this, I, I had a night where I literally could not take any more of this suffering uh, as the ego mind was cr crumbling, uh, which is part of the awakening process. And for me, it was extremely traumatic. Um, but I think if you know the fundamentals and the foundations behind it, you've got, you've got this bedrock of trust and truth, which I didn't have, unfortunately, at the time. So I didn't know what I was moving through. However, I had this uh, evening where I started to pray to God, but it was at a time where I was so broken, I was still so unwell, but I had this rising energy within, which is from the right mind. It was when the right mind was really starting to wake within me. I had this night where I kept screaming pretty much into my pillow, God, do you know who I am? God, do you know who I am? But it was with such force. And I kept saying, I am innocent. I don't deserve this punishment that I'm going through over and over and again. I kept saying this and I could intimately hear my ego mind say, but I don't know who I am. Uh, however, the following day, God answered me. I was not expecting it. And I was actually walking down the park. My, my dad was not feeling well at this stage. And so I was in a radius of how much room I could leave the house when I was still ill with the acute PTSD. And suddenly everything that you see, like the cars on the roads, the trees swaying, um, it all seemed to fade away and behind this that we think is life is where God is. And all of a sudden, all around me in a 360 degrees, there was this being of perfect love and there was no voice, but it was like an echo is the only way I can describe it. And it was so powerful and so loud, even though it was silent. Um, and it simply said, you are a spiritual teacher. You are a spiritual teacher. You are a spiritual teacher. So it was another time that God made contact with me. That's the only way I can describe it is that God is outside of time and time, we can play with time basically based on the ego because while we seem to be here, yeah, the ego plays with us. And that involves, as you, as you say, like even our perception of past lives or simultaneous lives. Yes. So, yes. so in that experience that you were taken outside of time, did you see yourself in other incarnations? Well, I have uh, previously, I, yeah, I've seen some difficult lives. Uh, I have really kind of stayed away from, I've not really been drawn to past lives, probably because mm. I was suffering so much in this lifetime that it wasn't a, a great area of mm. interest to me. But I definitely have always kind of had a knowing about this. For example, I did meet someone many years ago and it was so instant, the connection. And then I remember hearing 
when I was, this was when I was just, uh, you know, I was, I was very young, I was a teenager. I then heard my spiritual guide tell me that I had known them in a past lifetime. And that was really, actually, that's not true. Oh my goodness. I forgot about this. I've just been reminded when I was a little girl, I spent a lot of time in my bedroom, my parents' house. I was afraid to go out of the house. And this is really where God started to teach me in the moments of like weekends or school holidays when other kids were out playing and socializing, I was in my room learning from God. And I used to have a psychic vision. And in this vision, I would be in an all white room. I was dressed in white. I had a teacher all dressed in white that was like glowing. I had a white desk and everything was all white. And I was sitting there and the teacher was behind me. And there was one window and I could see out the window that all the other kids were together and they were playing playing and they're all happy together and I remember turning around to this man that I knew that was my teacher and I said to him can I go out and play with the other children and he said no you must stay in and you must learn your work that you're going to do one day as a child it was very difficult on me however I used to spend quite a bit of time too looking out at the window and looking up at the sky I spoke to God as a little girl a lot I used to have this memory that I had died in my last lifetime as a little girl uh, in a car accident. Uh, I think it was Spain. That's what I thought. And I remember once I passed, I seemed to be on the clouds uh, and I could see my mum who was very sad and I would try and talk to her and tell her, please don't cry. I didn't die. I'm still here, but you can't see me, but I can see you. And uh, yes, yeah, so that stayed with me. Sorry, I forgot about that. It's wow. been a long time. Yeah. So that was as a little girl. So I've never just had a knowing, but it's never been a whole, like my, my life, Karina, has, is, is like so spiritually driven uh, mm. that the spirit world is, is, is so much more closer a part of me than what this world of form is. Yeah, so, yeah, that was a memory. Uh, and uh, as a little girl, I, I remember wanting to, I wish I could find my mum and tell her that I'm in another body, I'm somewhere else in a different family, uh, but I know I, I loved her very much, that mother, wherever she is now quite an extraordinary thing and I'm still stuck on thinking about you as a little child you know having these kinds of psychic visions as well because that is very alienating for a small child and I know that from having interviewed a lot of people who who describe a similar thing in their childhood and it is it isolates a child that kind of thing because it's not understood particularly in in generations gone by. Yes, I definitely, I definitely suffered through this gift, this spiritual gift, um, and I have definitely lived a life of isolation. However, the thing is, when you're going to one day be a teacher for God and, and work for him, you can't follow the ego script because otherwise you're going to be taught the ego rules and, and everything. So from a young age, I look at it as a blessing now. It was not, and I would love to share that with your listeners because my life has not been easy. It's been extremely, extremely painful and punishing. Sometimes I have woken up and thought it's a miracle that I'm, I'm still here. I definitely shouldn't be with everything I've been through. But had I not have gone through the darkness, I think I said it the last time we spoke, but I would have followed the ego ways of doing things. What seemed to hurt me as a child has become my greatest blessing because I didn't really learn about the ego story. I learn about the spiritual story and that's to undo um, the things we go through to find who we truly are and that's actually how I found my happiness and true healing. Yeah, certainly there is a theme running through your story as we talk. To me, it's apparent and it's your your supreme dedication to your life's work and there's also uh, this theme of patience, patience and of planting a seed for future generations in a sense. It's a deep act of service and You've been taught yes. about this in a couple of ways 
I'm wondering if you could share the dream you had, and I think it was around the year 2000, of planting trees and also the experience that you had maybe a couple of years after that where you were actually taken, and this is interesting given our discussion of time, you were taken to the past and to the future where you were able to see the outcome of your teachings. Yeah, so I, I mean, it, it seems like quite a great amount of patience and, and I do that I've waited this long, but I definitely have done a lot of whinging and whining to God. Uh, before I go further, I just want to make this clear. I came into the, this lifetime with an absolute dedication to God. Uh, as a little girl, I come from a quite cool family. Uh, my dad was a surfer locally. Uh, my mum was is, was the beautiful, popular lady that all the men seemed to want. They wanted that cool child. And as a little girl, I wanted to go to Sunday school, uh, but I wasn't allowed. I had to go and learn how to... Uh, tackle the waves, the, the big waves of Sydney, uh, which was, you know, another punishing feat in itself for me to, I just wanted to be uh, at Sunday school. But looking back as well, all of these things that seemed to go against me went for me because as much as I truly love Jesus, once I started to wake up, I learned that the way the ego teaches the Bible is completely incorrect. So that's, I guess, a story for another time because I do not wish to change uh, anyone's perception and what works for someone, please follow that path. You know, we all have to follow our path home and just because this path works for me, it may not work for another person. So I do want to say that. But many years ago, I had a dream, yeah, like two decades ago. And in the dream, uh, I was planting seeds with with uh, another person that I grew up with and her, her career at this stage was going from strength to strength. And as we were tending to our trees, she had this most amazing tree and the, and the trunk was so solid and it was just blooming and blossoming and, and I had this tiny little branch in the ground and I felt quite sad at the time because for a long time since I was a little girl, I've been dreaming uh, of the work that I came here to do. I knew that my life was not going to start until I started the work that I came here to do. Uh, for some reason, I, I believed that this would happen after I left high school and it didn't turn out that way. It, it actually turned out to be the 20s that uh, God told me about 40 years ago, which is with this decade of time that mm. we're in. I definitely couldn't have waited 40 years looking back. But So in this dream, I had this tiny branch that was like withering and I was watering it and, yeah, I was told that basically my tree hadn't grown and it would take a while for my tree to grow, which has taken. So we're, that was 20 years ago, so that actually has come true. I think my, my tree is actually starting to take form now uh, and uh, it's called the treasure map. But many years ago when... God was trying to teach me what was when I was doing all these mediumship readings to people. I would go to meditate, and as I would go inward, I would do these layers of the treasure map that that I that I teach in this work of true forgiveness. And uh, I would be taken outside of my body, and I'd be taken through. I didn't remember the name of it. It was a black portal, kind of like a black portal that I'd be taken through. And uh, I would be taken, I just always knew if I was going back into the past or if I was going to the future, but around about 20 years ago, I, did I mention this in the, in the last? No, what happened okay. was we spoke about it after we finished recording and we said, let's make sure we cover this in episode okay. two. Okay. All right. <laughs> I just didn't want to confuse the, the listeners. So I would meditate and I would feel myself being taken out of my body. To be fair, I think at the time they were trying to teach me that I was not crazy and that everything was okay because I started to, because everything just started to really open up for me. I started to question my sanity. 
like one one day uh, I was in meditation and I was taken out of my body, but I was taken out the front of my parents' house where I was unwell. So I was floating, but I could see all the cars in the street and I hadn't been outside. And there was a, I remember there was a red car right out the front of my parents' property. And I was at that time, oh, I've never seen that car before. Long story short is when I came back to my body, I got straight up and I went out and I kind of looked up the street a bit and there was a red car. So that was, okay, I was definitely outside of my body because I could not see this from inside the house. For another moment in time, I was meditating. I was going to go horse riding with a friend. Uh, and in the meditation, uh, I saw a, a brown horse with this specific marking on his forehead. And uh, I told my friend, oh, they're going to give me a horse and this is what the horse looks like. It's got this prominent marking on its face. Uh, and sure enough, the horse they brought to me was like like that. And so I had these moments, but they don't happen now because I trust, but because I wasn't trusting and I was quite terrified with each step. They were trying to say, okay, hold on. You're not going crazy. Uh, you're just opening up and, and we're teaching you. Yeah, so mm. I just wanted to also say that, that if these type of things happen to you, they're going to kind of give you like little breadcrumbs to say, okay, all is well. Like they will never open you up and they will never tell you to hurt someone. So I do want to say that too. Like don't do that if, if, if anything like that happens. Always listen to this light inside you. In this other time period where they were taking me outside of my body, uh, I would go through a black portal in time and one day I went through this black portal and uh, I was taken out to, to see, I think it was in Europe somewhere, uh, and it was an elderly man and he was in a boat and he was fishing and I was hovering above him with my guide uh, that was behind me and uh, I could hear his thinking, uh, which means we have no private thoughts. There's always someone listening. And um, he was repeating these weird I forgive statements such as I forgive the fish I forgive the fish for not biting. I forgive having no fish. I forgive not knowing where I'll get food from. On and on it went about his lack of, you know, fishing or food or all the problems that were going on in his life. And in that moment, I remember thinking how weird this is that he's repeating these I forgive statements. Like, what what is this meant to mean? Immediately I was then taken into another time in the future and I was in a hospital room and there was a lady sitting in front of her 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 father her dad and he was he was very unwell he was going to die and again she was repeating these weird i forgive not out loud this is mentally i could just hear their their thought process and she was moving along the lines of i forgive my dad i forgive being abused by my dad i forgive not being loved by my dad on and on it went and my guide whispered into my ear to say that her dad had actually abused her all of her life and in this moment of him passing she was offering him her unconditional love in the best way she could and that was to free him from the darkness in his mind I had no idea what this meant 20 years ago whilst I was now forgiving the layers in the subconscious mind it took maybe like another decade to to put these two together that I had been taken into the future to be shown that the work that I was here to do which is the treasure map one day would take form and it would grow that as that dream that uh, the tree that I had all that time, that a long time ago, um, it would grow and it would spread around the world and it would change people's lives because you just need to learn to change your thinking. Uh, for those stu- people that are, of course, in miracle students, it says 
we must learn to, Jesus says we must learn to change our mind, but most think it means we've got to go from being negative to positive. Now, positive is amazing. Like you're going to have a better life if you can think positively. However, the true meaning of that statement is when Jesus says to you to change your mind, he means to change it from the wrong mind of judgment attack to find the right mind of peace and love that is hidden underneath these dark layers of sin, guilt and fear and the subconscious mind. By the time you move your thinking from the ego in the brain deep down into the subconscious mind by truly forgiving these layers presented to you with the I forgive principle, not only has your thought been purified from fear to love, you've changed your mind from the wrong mind to the right, but you now have your true affirmation because when you repeat positive affirmations from the ego mind, you might say, I am rich, but inside you, you've got this silent voice saying, no, that's not true. You don't have no money. You purify the thinking from within and say the thought of the ego thinking is, I'm so worried I don't have any money. By the time you forgive within, you'll receive divine guidance. It always happens because the divine guidance comes from within. It will probably say to you, uh, you need to look for this different job. It's not a free ride. Or it will offer you the confidence to ask for a pay rise. Or, yeah, I don't know what you'll receive because uh, it's up to the treasure map. But you will receive your – they're called true affirmations because they now hold true. So they're not only positive, they are true. And the thought might be uh, – but it's a knowing and it's I am rich because you found your truth of beingness and your being is rich. And that's how you change your story in time. You've got to get out of the ego mind because mm. the ego mind is home to lack, loss and lovelessness. And uh, once you find your being a perfect love inside that is whole – you will stop seeing lack on the level of form because you found the truth of wholeness within and what's inside you is what you experience outside of yourself in time. That makes so much sense to me because I've often thought about, you know, the so-called law of attraction and interestingly the law of attraction is often one of the first stages in somebody's uh, spiritual inquiry, for instance. I know in a way that happened with me, you know, you watch The Secret or read The Secret and then you begin to dig deeper. I remember Wayne, I think it was Wayne Dyer who, who used to say uh, that you don't attract what you want, you attract what you are and that resonates, I think, with what you're saying and I've often thought, oh, you know, that's why you don't kind of get what you're trying to manifest. Because as you say, like if you're, if underneath all those layers of the subconscious, you're actually thinking that you're worthless, no amount of affirmations is going to bring to you that abundance that you're looking for. So you've got to correct that knowledge or that mistaken belief that you are worthless first. So true. I, um, so I suffered through an eating disorder, uh, bulimia, which thank goodness has been truly healed with this gift of the treasure map. But I remember one day I was uh, binging and purging and I heard God behind me and he said to me, I was still very young at this stage. I might, may have been 18, so my spiritual capability had not opened. And uh, I just heard him say to me, why are you doing this to yourself? I remember mentally replying because I would rather punish myself than have God punish me. That was my answer. Now, it was so weird to me because consciously I would have given you a whole different answer I would have said I hate my body I don't like it's got nothing to do with the body and this is the whole trick to the ego it's the guilt within that we believe that we have hurt God by leaving him to play God ourselves in time that's why time does not belong to God it's it's the ego making uh, part of this dream of, of death in duality 
But I do want to make clear, whilst we're here and until the ego mind has cracked open to reveal the right mind, time is true to you, as is the body. So you can't deny these things, but you must utilize the suffering, which is what I did, to truly forgive it, to find your way out of these shadows sooner rather than later. And once you find, give up this belief that you're sinful, of separating from God or source or perfect love and find this truth of innocence which belongs to perfect love, you'll then extend light outwards and uh, you'll move from the nightmare to the happy dream. So we're going to move the ego mind when your thinking is in the brain it offers a nightmare. You don't know when you're going to die, who's going to die, what curveball is going to be thrown to you. You're not standing on a solid ground. You can be thrown off a cliff at any moment which is what happened to me but my cliff fall was so heavy and, and so vast that Basically, the trauma caused the ego mind to crack open. And I mean, it was either die or awaken and find the right mind. And, and that's what happened to me. I found the right mind. And so that's where my awareness sits in the right mind, where this truth of our being is found. So I'm not aligned to the body as much anymore. I know being is true. So, for example, recently um, I lost someone from my life or I lost a, a four-legged pooch. But there was no... There was no uh, grief because I've sat in the right mind where my being connects to her being, so I haven't lost it. But if I'm in the ego mind, the ego says I've lost something because I've lost the body. But when you find this right mind buried deep within Karina, it speaks of beingness. It teaches you beingness. And so it means if something then happens to the body, you're less affected by it because you know you are it's via revelation. It's very difficult to explain this. And you cannot be the ego mind and take these spiritual truths and say, well, I don't care. I'm not the body. So it doesn't matter what happens to my body. Because while you're still aligned to ego thinking, the you've made the body your home. You must undo the ego mind for these to be true and to learn via revelation. And something that you have said to me, Tash, really stands out to me in this moment as you're saying that about undoing the ego mind. You said, it's terribly frightening when the ego cracks open and I would not wish my journey upon another because the yes. ego puts up a mighty fight when we're undoing the false identity. And certainly your life is a testament to this process. So when I started to, there's going to be some listen, listeners that are, of course, in Miracle students. And for those that aren't, I apologize because you may not know what I'm about to say. But in the course, the final obstacle to peace is the fear of God. And so when I started to awaken, the ego mind starts to separate. So in my spiritual experiences, I was still the ego mind and it seemed like God was separate to me. Even growing, even when I had that that first that main encounter in 1982, even though it was oneness at the time, I wasn't not consciously aware of that. The ego mind needs to crack open to reveal this right mind. But when it does and it realizes that you're withdrawing, you're because you're choosing the ego mind. We all are choosing the ego mind until we start to awaken to the truth of innocence for all. Now you can't be a victim of the ego and say, I'm innocent and another is guilty because if you say guilt in another, that guilt belongs to you. So when you call another person a name and you say, they are a terrible human being, know that you think you're a terrible human being because that belongs to you. You're in charge of cleaning up you. So whatever you think of another person, what you accuse another person of is what you've accused yourself secretly hidden deep within because you're projecting it out. So I just wanted to make that clear to the listeners. But this final obstacle to peace is called the fear of God. So I had read this in the text, but they were just words to me. The ego is going to crack open and it's going, you're going to reveal that you, you've got two cells within you now. And that's terrifying in itself because you're going to go from thinking that there's one person to seemingly two. 
And it's very, very frightening unless you understand that your your true self, your real mind is starting to wake up and you're withdrawing your allegiance to the ego mind. But the ego is going to throw down like a final gauntlet. But by this stage, the right mind, this power of love inside you is going to hold you tight. It's going to basically stand you in the storm. So while the storm, the ego storm is throwing itself with such viciousness about you, it's going to stand in this love and it has to stand to face the darkness to say, I'm not afraid. And that's actually what happened to me. But I didn't know that that's what happens. And so if it does happen to you, you basically stand there. I, I, I had many a day where I would call out to Jesus, like, ah, that gets me a bit teary now. Put my hand on my heart, my older brother, that, um, yeah, I, I, if you could see me, I, the emotion of taking me back into this time, Karina, and how I could not have made it through that without uh, Jesus, his presence. Tell us about your relationship with Jesus and how, how also, special I'm it is. Only, I'm an only child. I went through an experience that created a lot of fear in me as a child, um, which is what sent me into the bedroom to basically hide and which is what what created me to form this uh, connection to God and speak to him always because I was alone in the bedroom, which my parents hated, I have amazing parents, uh, and the life that they have lived with me to see the suffering their child went through, which they didn't understand was very difficult on them but I always wanted an older brother to protect me that was the feeling inside if only I had an older brother to protect me I wouldn't be so afraid so I was always dreaming of this older brother and it wasn't until I got older and I really started to wake up I could feel that that dream from inside me was my right mind longing for Jesus because he's my he's my I call him my perfect peaceful powerful older brother and uh, I just adore him he's not the Jesus of the ego mind that died to save our sins and I please I love all religions but I do follow the faith of God that believes in all religions and none because this faith of how you truly forgive takes you back to this uh, being perfect love where you can experience Jesus you know he's not separate from us he's our brother he's the same as us but he woke I just love him and I'm so grateful for the Bible even though I see the Bible differently because once you hear the right mind it teaches you the truth of what Jesus would say not from the ego mind, but by a revelation. And uh, yeah, just grateful that the Bible is still in consciousness because it allowed me, even though there was a bit of distance, it allowed me to to connect and love this brother that really demonstrated how to truly forgive. The ego is sustained by our belief in it. So once you start withdrawing your belief, and it's not that simple as what I'm saying, and it's going to be very traumatic. So it's you've got to slowly build yourself up to this like if life is going so great for you and mine wasn't, my life was not. So I probably wouldn't have had this path if I had had a, a great and easy life because I would have been okay to stay with the ego. My life as the ego self was not working. The suffering was too intense, which meant I had to find another way. This way is the treasure map that, that God taught me. But even I, when my ego mind cracked open and it, it screamed with such viciousness, I am afraid of God. And I cannot tell you the the depths of this fear. It like threw every piece of fear that it had at me because I was now starting to hear the right mind. So I'd now found the right mind and I could hear that voice. But I still had the ego mind speaking. I don't have the ego mind speaking now. But as I said, once you start to wake up, this power of perfect love inside you, it literally holds you tight. And I spent years in bed just truly forgiving everything until I found the truth of innocence. And once I found the truth of innocence... I had this moment and uh, I remember screaming out to God saying, I don't care, God. I let it go. I let them go. They are innocent and I'm innocent. The people that I was, I was accusing of hurting me, 
it's not something you can consciously control. You've got to find this truth of innocence. And once I found the truth of innocence, it's like I was, I call it the valley of the shadow of death where I had spent five years in. And uh, it's like a, a ladder from heaven appeared and God said, okay, now you can climb up. Everything has to be cleaned, which is what the treasure map's for because it purifies sinking from fear to love. They say you knock on the door to heaven, but you can only go through to the door when, when you are love, like is like, when yeah, you hold no grievances or attack thoughts. And that's what I had done. I had looked at the one that I was hating and I had realized they were innocent. And in realizing they were innocent, I realized I was innocent and then I was no longer afraid of God. That's when the fear of God dissolves. That's very, very profound. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking too, of the, it's almost a tradition of spiritual teachers going through the fires, you know, yeah. and deep suffering. And, you know, mm. in a contemporary sense, we can think of Eckhart Tolle, who was in the in the throes of the deepest depression and, and suicidal thoughts when um, yeah. when he had his awakening and then followed the power of now. And then, you know, even to think about the great, the channelers of what I think are the greatest um, spiritual texts of the last century. So, a Course in Miracles, obviously, Helen Shookman was a woman who was very troubled and led a very difficult life in many ways and um, and died quite young. And the other one I'm thinking of is Jane Roberts, who channeled the Seth material also in the 70s. She had terrible physical suffering, physical illness, and passed away a little shadow of herself, you know, just withered away in a hospital bed, but channeling and bringing through the teachings to the last minute. And I just think, my goodness, you know, and Jesus himself. So in a way, you're you're part of this tradition. And, and there's Brandon Bays as well, who brought through the journey work. She too was in this terrible suffering. And there's an interesting, I bring that up because I know that there's a point in your story, and I'm not too sure where it falls in the chronology, but you attended a seminar by Brandon Bays, and you had a realization about your own purpose on the planet at this seminar. Yeah, so... 20 odd years ago, uh, I was suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome and I couldn't understand why was I going through, either I was unwell or someone so close to me was unwell the whole of my life. And I was like, constantly, what is going on? It's from one suffering to the next. And I look back now, it was because I was going to one day teach people how to truly heal. Um, and most of the people that I would one day teach how to truly heal were the ones that were suffering. Yeah. So I know a lot about illness. I also know a lot, a lot about healing illness, uh, truly healing it. But yeah, about 20 odd years ago, I was suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome, so much so that I pretty much spent 18 months in bed. We just, I would have a conversation with someone and uh, I, would, I actually learned at this stage that you need energy to speak. Like I never thought about that. But someone would uh, call and they would say, hi, how are you going? And my body would literally start shaking and I would have to close the conversation down and say, I don't even have any energy to sustain this conversation to talk with you like that's how low energy wise I was but as I was going through this uh one day I did I didn't complete the um the day with uh Brandon Bays I left probably just after lunchtime I was guided to because I was looking for all these ways to heal I would hear people say oh you know you've got an eating disorder you need to heal your diet and I would look inside and I would I could hear that in a voice and I was like no I hate myself like why am I going to eat well uh, so I couldn't even try and change my foods and eat well because I had this need to hurt myself inside. So it was this like cycle of suffering. And at this seminar, though, she was speaking amazing light. You know, even though I teach true forgiveness, uh, she's got her own path and uh, she is amazing uh, with what she does. And I was at this seminar 
uh, and she's speaking. And I had this moment where I thought to myself, why am I here? And it was so weird because I then answered my own question, which I don't tend to do. I just want to put that out there. I did not tend to answer my own question. Uh, and looking back now, it, the answering came from my right mind as kind of like a thought floating up through my body. Um, and the answer was, for, and this is, these are the words, for I am here to teach ACI and forgiveness. Now, that was so profound to me at the time because I'd been a student of the course for a couple of years, but I had no idea what it was teaching. So I would be in Mykonos, say, I could spend a whole day on one paragraph and I would go over and over again and I would keep reading it and I would be like, what does this mean? But there was something inside that I was like, oh, I love these words. Like, it's so <laughs> beautiful. But I had no idea what it said. So when I had this, this revelation, I'm here to teach ACI and forgiveness, I was, what's ACI and forgiveness? Like, I don't think it teaches you how to forgive. What am I meant to do? Yeah, that was that was a moment. Uh, in time for me. Had that moment not have happened 20 odd years ago where I was told I'm here to teach ACI and forgiveness, I don't think I would have even associated the treasure map with A Course in Miracles because I definitely have never wanted to run off the coattails of anyone or anything because the treasure map is so profound. You don't need to be a student of A Course in Miracles. However, if you start forgiving within and finding the right mind, you're going to pick up that blue book and you're going to read a paragraph and that right mind is going to reveal to you the true teaching via revelation. It's just going to do it. I've taught people the treasure map who didn't know A Course in Miracles and now they love ACIM because they can open a page and they're like, this is what it means. They can go into groups with people that have been studying the course for 30 years and they're teaching it incorrectly because they're teaching it from the ego. And I'm not trying to attack the ego, but I would like to say that Helen spent these years bringing in Jesus' words and it's not okay for the ego to destroy the true message that Jesus to teach in the course by the way the ego interprets it because the ego is not interpreting the course correctly. You need to find this right mind that teaches wholeness and being to understand what Jesus is teaching because otherwise you're trying to learn something that's speaking about wholeness from a mind that is not whole, that is part because it's separate. Yeah, it's not going to ever make sense to the ego. If we haven't made it clear already in our discussions of A Course in Miracles throughout our two conversations for the audience, the author of the of A Course in Miracles is Jesus uh, channeling through Helen Shulkman. So I want to ask you about exactly how you received your teachings. So the treasure map, the faith, which is an acronym, and I, I want you to tell us about that, and true forgiveness. But before I do only because it might be pertinent to the chronology of how you actually did receive the teachings. If it's not, maybe just let it go. But I remember you described an awakening that took place on the eve of your 33rd birthday. And I think you were with a kinesiologist. Now, is this the right place to address this before we yeah, talk about yeah? yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've definitely told everybody that I've had a difficult life, even with this intense uh, psychic ability that I always ha always had. Another moment in time was I was probably about seven and I was down the beach with my dad. And don't forget who's not religious or spiritual um, and like a surfer dude, uh, like a cool surfer dude. <laughs> he was looking after me and my two cousins and there was a boy that was about 13 and he was being hit by three other boys, like a triangle around him. And everybody was walking past. It was like late, I don't know, like it was getting dark. 
on, on an evening, so there weren't too many people around. Um, but he was being he was being bashed hard by these three boys. Now, what happened in that moment is I looked at him and I connected to him, and so intense is my empathy that when they hit him in the stomach, my stomach moved, and as he went on the floor, I, my whole body went in every moment, in every position that he went. So when they he was finally on the floor and they kicked him, I was now on the floor being kicked, and I'm screaming to my dad, telling him to make them stop. You can imagine what my dad thought. <laughs> it was like, uh, pick me up. And, you know, I was screaming, telling him to stop because I could feel every physical hit that this boy went through. Um, and I couldn't understand in that time why my dad wasn't protecting me or saving me. I didn't understand it. But I do remember coming home and my dad being quite angry and saying to my mum, I don't know what we're going to do with this child. I've never come across anyone. Um, and so I remember just going to my room, which is where I used to kind of hide. But I also remember not long after that, I asked my cousin, I said, do you see the um, the people that are on the floating on the ceiling? That's how I used to see people that were passed. And uh, she was three years older than me. And uh, she goes, there's no one there. And I was like, oh, okay, there's nothing there. Like I remember thinking, oh, no, I'm in trouble because <laughs> I can see people. <laughs> uh, but when I was 33, so I've always had these things happen to me, but when I was 33, I went to see a kinesiologist just prior to 33. I'd just come out of a decade-long relationship with a man that I completely adored, um, and it was so sudden. I had um, moved across to Greece after we'd been going backwards and forwards for many a period to the point that when I was in Australia, I wouldn't take a full, full-time full position when I could work uh, because I didn't want to let go of this relationship. Uh, so I would do a contract role, and then I'd go and fly back and see him, but in 2006, I made the decision, no, it was time now. I was, I was going to make it work with him and I went across there and I was so sad the whole time I was there and I actually had to fly back a few months later because my mum was having surgery and he, he said he would come with me and I said, no, you go on a boys' holiday. I will, I'll be back in a month's time. I never saw him again. I came to Australia and uh, he broke up with me and so I've never seen him again. So it was quite shocking and so I just was like, okay, well, it's over. I'm just going to start back in Sydney. And I got a job and my boss, who who knew me, she said, I'm not handling uh, this breakup. She knew how much I loved him. You need to see this kinesiologist. And my gut feeling kept saying, no, 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 don't do it. She was at me. And I don't blame her because it's always, if we give our power away, it's up to us. Like the cause is always within. So I want to make that clear to the audience. Even though she was at me, kept coming at me to do it. I, in the end, I conceded and said, okay, I'll go and see the kinesiologist. So it's never on another. Like, please don't blame anyone for whatever you're going through. Otherwise, you give your power away. You've got to learn to protect your power, which is what I do now. I'm accountable for my decisions and my choices and what happens to me, whether I put myself in a bad position or a good one. It's on me. It's not on someone else if they hurt me because I have to protect myself. So I saw this kinesiologist a couple of times but I started to get worse I started to have panic attacks uh and I remember saying to her I don't know what to do I'm having panic attacks that's when she said to me oh you know that's how I got into kinesiology because I'm I have panic attacks all the time that's when I was like oh no this is not good if you're going to be healed by someone you need to be healed by someone that is healed that's made it on the other side that they're not still in the darkness uh and so I call them stairs I was falling down these stairs getting worse and worse I now couldn't drive it was probably about a half an hour by a car I had to drive and I'd be having panic attacks on expressways and I was actually putting other pe people in danger. Uh, so it was very, very terrifying. And the night before my 33rd birthday, I went to her and said, please fix this. Like, just let me go back to what I was. 
before I saw you. I'll be okay there. Like I'm now like getting worse as time is time goes on. And she actually did a session on me this moment, and uh, she tapped into my childhood trauma. She didn't know about it. I hadn't told her about it, but she said, "This is coming up." And she said, "Is it true?" And I was like, "It is true." But from that moment. I literally drove home and that door to what had been hidden in my subconscious for so long was literally just pulled open um, and I was back in that moment. Now, it was on the eve of my 33rd birthday um, and I just started trembling in terror. That's how I could describe it. It was like, I've got to take the listener back a bit now because uh, when I was a little girl, I had a recurring dream from the age of probably like seven all the way up until like 17, my final uh my final uh, HSC exam was, was was the last moment I had it. But in this dream from the age of seven, I saw myself as an adult. And uh, I would always be running through a black forest at night. I always had the same clothes on. I ran exactly the same path. And in this dream, there was a man that I knew. I knew him well, but I didn't remember him. I couldn't remember his name. But he was always chasing me and he was tormenting me and he was haunting me. And uh, I knew that he was about to get me. And when he got me, he would kill me. But just before he would get me in the dream, I would wake in terror. Now, this happened from the age of 7 to 17. But unfortunately, because I was holding so much in from my parents, I didn't share this with them because, you know, I was already aware they were not really liking the way that I was going and I wasn't wanting to – I was scared of everybody. And so I would sit in my bedroom and I would have to wait until the sun came up at dawn to even go back to sleep. So as a little girl, I may have only gotten like – an hour sleep or half an hour sleep because I sat up in bed shaking. So I had this dream, not realizing that this dream was letting me know what was going to happen in my life. I literally was going to go into this terror um, with the man chasing me, and but I was going to be okay. But I would wake in fright, which was my awakening. And you would see yourself as you are now. Yeah. The, mm. I, I was, okay, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> so what I found weird, in when I got into my 20s, I would uh, look in the mirror, but I would see the exact same woman that I had seen as a, as a seven-year-old girl. But I looked exactly the same as what I did in the dream that I had 20 years earlier. Now, I can't tell you how confusing this is, not realizing at that time that time is not linear That every because I didn't know this at this stage. So I was just being shown into the future. But you can imagine, I don't know that I looked exactly like this. I mean, my body was exactly the same. I pretty much wore my hair the same, my face. And I don't look like that now because I have changed a lot in the last 20 years. Yeah, that was another revelation for me. It was very weird. Yeah. Well, you were outside of time in, in those experiences as well. Okay, so you had that. And then was that when you began to receive the teachings? So prior to the, the, I call it the awakening on the 33rd birthday because it's basically when, I haven't shared that. So I, obviously my, my subconscious mind was ripped open with the kinesiology. And if anyone does do this treasure map work that is God's true healing tool, please don't ever mix it with other modalities of the subconscious mind because it's such a powerful tool as it is. And you do not want to be mixing modalities. That was definitely a, a very, a very big lesson that I learned. You know, I'm not saying anything about kinesiology. If kinesiology is your path and it works for you, like we all have different paths. Follow what your inner voice tells you to do. That's that's your powerhouse and that's the teacher inside you, the guide that you can trust. Uh, but I was very much aware that this opening on the eve of my 33rd birthday was a very uh, spiritually driven number mm. uh, and I was never the same. That was it. Like I was gone. The subconscious mind 
opened um, and I was pretty much thrown off the edge of a cliff. That's how I would describe it. And I, instead of dying, I landed at the bottom of this dark decade of the soul of suffering and I had to find, I had to climb out of it. But it took five years to even get a ladder, which is what I was saying before, like five years down in the deepest darkness, losing everything, losing friends, money, anything to hold on to externally. It was pretty much me. I had to move back in with my parents. I wasn't living with my parents. I had to move back in with my parents and my dad had to take uh, about four months off work to take care of me. I mean, I was completely destroyed and that's how my life is amazing now, Karina. Like I still have problems, but I found this bright mind of peace and love. Like it's a, a cushion of comfort. It's a safety and a security that I'm no longer holding on to something externally to make me feel okay because I found this truth of innocence and love within that it gives me happiness. So I don't need to address. I don't need the right job. I don't need the right friend. I don't need a certain amount of money. I don't have all those things, these external things that I'm holding on to because I hold on to God now. I've learned, hold on to this truth of oneness within you that everybody can access if they find this right mind and you will live a happy life until you awaken. Yeah. Because it, it cushions you. It's kind of like you've got that rock of perfect love that Jesus was speaking of because there's no holes of separation for you mm. to fall through, which is what I fell through on the eve of my 33rd birthday. And it was so dark that it was meant to destroy me but what doesn't destroy you makes you mm-hmm. and it, it made me this this experience so as much as I would not want to go through it if any of your listeners are going through darkness and they're they're suffering and like you need to find a way to heal yourself and what comes to be your burden is going to one day become your blessing once you move out of the lesson and it took a very long time for me like it took te- it took five years to even find a doorway with a bit of light it was complete darkness after that five years, did you begin to receive the treasure map? No, I was already – so I already had – this is weird. So before the, the descent into darkness, in the early noise, uh, I already had the treasure map. So I was doing it, but I hadn't found the belief in separ- – okay, this is where we're going. I hadn't found the belief in separation. So people that are students of A Course in Miracles, you'll hear that Jesus speaks about this belief in separation, that the true cause of the suffering. So when I was going through acute PTSD – I was blaming other people for the suffering I was going through on the level of form. So this is not it. Say I was going through stealing. Like say I was a criminal and I was going through a court case of stealing. The world of form says you're a thief and you're a bad person because you stole. However, that's a shadow of suffering. And if you go deep enough within with the treasure map, you will go to the true cause, which is always some aspect of the belief in separation from source. And in that instance, it will be the guilt from believing you stole from God the prodigal son story that Jesus speaks of uh, in the Bible, uh, you stole from God and you took all the treasures he gave you and you betrayed him and you ran off to be with the ego in time. So everything stems from this and we have to unite to undo these shadows. Instead of judging someone, whenever the shadows appear for you, you have to withdraw them and start to truly forgive them. Like now, I don't know if this is the time to say this, but what's happening uh, with Russia, with Putin, he is so thick in darkness in these shadows of suffering they're just like all around him the worst thing we can do as as human as humans is to continue to point blame and say how dark he is we need to start to truly forgive him to withdraw this darkness that is fueling this fire inside him and to withdraw these shadows so that the light that's inside him starts to rise up and he'll start to make good and kind decisions that's how we're going to truly heal and change the world I agree with you, Tash, and I feel I feel that inside me as well that 
you know, and this is why I guess we're aligned with this mission. So forgiveness for me has been an idea that's been percolating and brewing the importance of it for a long time now. Interestingly, probably, you know, around a couple of decades, the same time that you were in the depths, began to be in the depths of your suffering and you began your inquiry, which is interesting in terms of the, the dream of time. It's such a countercultural idea. And, but I'm with you. I believe that herein lies hope and possibility and we and it is something that we need to unite on as yeah, well but we can't we can't forgive how the ego teaches it that we're good people and he's a horrible person because whatever we see in another belongs to us this is what jesus meant where he said have no idols before god you need to take your idol which is the ego idol and you need to undo it by truly forgiving it and purifying the thinking to find the truth of innocence and place that upon this altar to God that's inside you. And then the doorway to heaven basically opens because it says you and your brother are one. You've now joined with a brother that you said was sinful. And that's how we join with them. We basically take what we see in them and we draw it within and we unite to say that sin we saw in them, I take ownership for it, God. I'm going to clean it up and I'm going to hold his hand or her hand and we're going to stand at your doorway and say, we're not part anymore. We're not separate. We're one and we belong to you, not to the ego. I've sort of had th- that understanding myself in a in a less extreme way. For instance, if if I perceive that somebody has done me wrong and hurt me in the past, and I've lashed out in anger with a thought, with an angry attack thought, I've immediately, immediately had a sense of, oh my goodness, I am keeping that person in bondage, and not only that, I've harmed myself with that thought. And then I'm awash with regret and remorse. And then the pattern perpetuates. This is a thing. Uh, so the ego has set up such a complex system to keep you out of uh, the right mind that leads to one-mindedness, awakening, uh, that it says that anytime you do something wrong, you're a bad person, or, which is what happened to me many years ago, pretty much closed down it everything I wanted to say to someone. So I only said good things. I was kind. I became a doormat for everybody, Mm. uh, which actually God came to me one day and said, uh, I'll never forget this morning. He said, your brothers and sisters almost destroyed you with what they projected upon you. Now that's the way the ego has set up spirituality is not true spirituality. True spirituality is standing in your power and saying, I'm going to truly forgive, or the the way of the treasure map is, I'm going to truly forgive no matter what. And even if I'm spiritual and I'm teaching other people, I still have some type of ego identification. At some stage, I'm going to need to set up a barrier. Like personally for me, once I started doing this work, I found that all of a sudden I had people come and just dump their problems on me all the time. And so I couldn't do anything. I was constantly doing my healings on them, just working like as a as a doormat again. Like so I was not not breaking free until I had this dream where God came to me and said, the ego is basically putting bricks on you to keep your message hidden from the world. You need to let them go. But then the ego says, oh, you, you gaslighted me or you've ghosted me. You don't believe the labels of the ego. If your ego, it's not about denying the ego, any type of darkness. Like personally, if I find that I am back in ego and I scream at someone, I'm back doing the treasure map, truly forgiving it, but I'm not making any of it true. This is the key part. You can't you can't say that person is not a great spiritual teacher because they parked and they didn't uh, put in the money for the, the payment of the, the ticket uh, to park in the parking bay. So they're a sinful person. That idea of sin belongs to you. Whatever you judge another for is what you need to clean up within yourself. And the, the spiritual teacher that didn't pay, if there's no guilt within them, 
they haven't done nothing wrong because the world of form is not true. And this is the, the great deception the ego has given you because it wants to make everything real. And it wants to say, you're only going to be God's son if you're perfect on the level of form. But no one's going to be perfect on the level of form because the ego, this is the ego playground of punishment. So you're only going to be perfect once you're outside of time and you're awakened. And to get there, you become perfect in cleaning up your act, cleaning up the ego, which here I'm teaching you via the treasure map, but there may be many other ways. But you do have to be careful because the ego has another ploy where it's teaching this uh, bubblegum spirituality that, you know, just think positively and mm. then all is well. Or it says to awaken, you're going to go and get some, I'm going to do an awakening workshop and we're going to have crystals um, and we're going to tell everyone how beautiful they are. But you're still stuck in ego identification. You've got to undo the belief in separation to find your being, you know, and that's where the right mind comes in. You've spoken to us about the treasure map and true forgiveness and the I forgive principle. I feel like we've got a good grasp on that at this point. Please tell us about FAITH, and that's an acronym. Please tell us about that, what it is, what the acronym stands for, and where that falls in your teachings. Okay, so... A long time, so I've been working with the treasure map for a long time, although I did not have any words. And when I finally found the belief in separation that I'd obviously read in A Course in Miracles, where Jesus is always talking about this belief in separation, I was thinking, what is he speaking about? After many, many years of digging deep within, I remember I found it one day. In that moment, it was like this peace, like the peace of God literally washed over me and all those problems that were overwhelming to me just vanished because you can't have peace and problems. They're mutually exclusive. Uh, So I'd found this doorway that leads from the ego mind to the right mind, which is what offers a happy dream in time. And uh, how am I going to teach this miracle that I have now learned, that I was going to die through acute PTSD or acute PTSD, which then became complex PTSD, I was going to die because I was so unwell. And now my life is still nowhere near like what anyone else's is. Like I remember I had a a close friend, one of the ones that stayed beside me, we're talking about what I'd gone through and she's got the a model husband, the beautiful home and the beautiful kids and the great job and all the money. And she's she looks amazing. She's got a hundred friends, like she's popular. I've got none of these things and we're walking and I said to her, you know, what's your level of happiness out of 10? And I remember her saying five. Now, this is the person that everybody wants to be. And I was like, looked at her, oh my gosh, I'm still stuck in the house and I'm at an eight. To me, that revelation was, oh my gosh, I don't, you don't need the external things because once you find this connection to God inside you, it makes you happy. So that was a, mm. an interesting moment for me. So I knew that this created miracles, this process of faith, but all the pieces hadn't been put together. And then I remember God guided me to a passage in the course that said, I can't remember the exact words, but faith is a gift through God who sent to you, who God has sent to you. He gave me a dream and said, this is you. This is the faith, the faith that is going to truly heal because it's how you truly forgive and it's how you make miracles happen. So it's no idle theology because the faith the ego teaches you says, okay, so your son might be sick say he's suffering a terminal illness, but everyone around you is saying, have faith, have faith, everything will be all right. But then you lose him and you're stuck like in absolute agony because you've witnessed the belief in separation. He's gone from your sight. You're now in suffering. That's the type of faith the ego teaches you all that, you know, maybe one day you're going to see him when you, you lay your body aside. The faith of God is completely different. It's no idle theology. It offers true healing. It's how you truly forgive. It's the basis of the treasure map. And it takes you from the ego mind of separation to this right mind hidden deep within you that tells you that you are being, 
that allows you to feel this truth of perfect love that connects you with everyone that you know in this world, everyone that you've lost before, and God. Like there's no separation from this right mind. And it is an acronym for forgiveness, authenticity, introspection, trust, and honesty. It's how you complete the mind correction from the wrong mind of ego identification to find the right mind of peace and love that precedes spiritual awakening. It's how you purify your thinking from fear to love, and it's how you change your script in time by undoing these shadows, this veil of guilt that distorts the truth of light that is here for the innocent mind. So that process I was doing for a long time, but I didn't have the words for it. And many years ago now, I remember sitting down and writing that faith is an acronym uh, and all of this, and it's how you truly forgive and it's how you make miracles happen. And in that moment, the process that I'd been doing flashed before my eyes. As, it was like a download that this is what you've been doing. This is what completely transformed your life. You'd be dead otherwise without it. And this faith leads you to God because it does not separate. Like even religion, they say, you know, everyone says my my religion, my faith is what leads me to God. But it's part of the ego and it separates because it says this religion is better than this religion. The faith of God is no religion. It's completely spiritual. It's how you truly heal with God. And it takes you from bodily identification, the level of form, which is the effects to deep within to this right mind that will reveal to you you are the being of perfect love, the child of God in the name of wholeness. You cannot lose your son. You cannot lose your brother. You cannot lose your dog, which is what I just went through almost a month ago now and how I didn't lose Dakota. I didn't feel any type of grief because grief belongs to the ego mind. So will you want to stay in the realm of ego thinking, this belief in separation and specialness and suffering, you are going to be sick and, and be hurt. You are going to go through grief. But if you find this right mind, even when Dakota's body was laid aside with uh, the vet, uh, or, or you know, I felt her rise from her body. But every moment since then, I felt connected to, I call her Miss Dakota. I felt her. I haven't lost her. The body's not in my side. I can't go and give her a cuddle. But I feel her. Like I'm so still connected to her that there was no grief. There was no loss. I didn't experience loss. Because even in this moment, as I'm speaking to you, I can feel her as though she's near me. And that's what the gift of the right mind does. And that's a miracle of this faith of God. It takes you to teach you. Like when Jesus said there's no death, he meant if you follow him, if you follow him into the right mind, not if you follow him by a book and stay stuck in judgment and attack of ego thinking and read a book and say Jesus died to give you innocence, but you're still going to sit here and you're going to point the blame and say that person over there is a horrible person and you're never going to get to God because God will reject you. Well, God accepts in the truth of wholeness. So if you want to follow Jesus, follow his example, learn to truly forgive. He truly forgave on the cross. He can forgive that. You can forgive something else. And if you truly forgive the way that he teaches, which is this faith of God that has been revealed now, it will take you to the right mind of oneness that you cannot taste death because you will know that you're not the body. Now, you don't know it from the ego mind of separation and you just believe it because a teacher's told you. You know it by truth that you feel it, you experience, and it is time to lay the body aside. When that comes for you, there's not going to be any death, or if your loved one dies, you still feel them because you're connected in this truth of oneness because you have placed your symbols of separation aside. It's a revolutionary or potentially revolutionary idea because when we think of the suffering that takes place when someone loses a loved one and through all of my decade plus of interviewing people that have had spiritual experiences following the deaths of loved ones. I've learnt that it, it's this spiritual, it's the understanding that they're not gone that gives them the only respite and we've spoken about that. But to think that if a teaching such as 
faith uh, that you've just described, if that was to be made more mainstream or if that was to, you know, reach more people, you can imagine how the potential that it has to alleviate suffering. It absolutely will because about 20 years ago when I was uh, first doing it, I didn't have the words of faith at that stage, but I was doing the cleaning of the processes within. I had, uh, but I hadn't awoken uh, or my ego mind hadn't crumbled. Uh, Jesus actually came to me one day and his words were, I was very smart to learn the course through forgiving within. And that's actually how I started to learn the course. I started to find this right mind and the true teachings would be revealed of what they truly meant. But when I was taken outside of my body to the future, I was, oh, no, sorry. When he came to me that day, he said to me, in 50 years time, everybody will be learning the course by the way I was doing it. He called it forgiving within at that, that time, which I do obviously in my work, I still call it forgiving within because that's what it is. You're going through the layers in the subconscious mind. Uh, but I definitely know I've got another 30 years to wait. Hopefully I'm still here, but I absolutely, I mean, I've gone through everything I have to go through so much darkness to know, you know, how much it can transform you. Because I've experienced this and I've also seen other people experience this uh, through the people that I've, I've taught this. It changes your life. Yeah, one day it's going to be all the way around the world and it, it will just be people mentally, instead of allowing their mind to wander into fear, they'll be withdrawing their thinking and, and cleaning up the layers within to constantly purify their thinking, which is what will change their life. Because what's buried deep within you is a story that projects outward. So the more of those dark shadows, you, that, that veil of guilt uh, that you can clean up, you start to extend the truth of light and what was once dark and fearful to you. Like when I had the diagnosed with the PTSD, I couldn't even leave the house for many, many, many years because I was terrified of everyone. Everywhere I looked, all that I could see was terror because that, that terror was inside me. But once I truly forgave it uh, and found the truth of innocence, I extend that outwards and now I look outside and I don't see darkness. Like I'll see someone that you might deem as being a bad person, but I see them like Putin. I see them as needing a call for love. Like they're in need of love. Like they're in so much darkness. So don't, don't throw more fuel onto that fire. Help them, like save them from the darkness and allow their light to allow that to shine and it'll help him to make better choices. So this process isn't just a process that assists and supports us to alleviate suffering on an individual basis. It contributes to collective healing. Absolutely. And and one day, we're not, where are the effects? The ego mind is the effect. So the split mind, which is still part of the sun, of God is asleep and he's that that split mind is dreaming this dream which is where we are we're all in this this dream so everything comes from the split mind so you're kind of like a puppet all the ego mind is like a puppet and you're playing out this belief in separations we're going to move into the happy dream at some stage we can't keep sustaining this suffering but I don't want to confuse people but I do want to let them know that there is a way out of suffering and you start to get uh like divine guidance, so you, you won't need to seek outside of yourself. You'll have this power of perfect love within that will guide you, yeah. And that's a big part of your story, that voice of guidance and the voice of intuition. And Definitely. so, Tash, one we are approaching the end of our conversation now, but one thing I just want to point out about the teachings, which I find quite fascinating, is that you have also received the understanding that they're feminine. It's feminine. You refer to the teachings as she will do this, and I find that quite interesting. Yeah, so I never wanted to have a child growing up. So I remember thinking, if this is what life is about, why would I want to bring another person 
into this world and make them go through the suffering I've gone through. So I never had this, I wanted to have a child. However, I was with a man for a long time and, and you think that obviously I'm in a romantic relationship, at some stage you're going to have children. So I used to speak about these, having a boy and a girl. I used to call, say I'm going to call her Samsara, but obviously he was Greek and he would say no, has to be called be called after my mother and I'd be like no her name's Samsara I just know it I just knew that if I had a little girl her name was going to be Samsara and then after I got this um given this gift of faith God kind of kept giving me breadcrumbs because I was just in hell like I couldn't keep going like it was from moment to moment in such a long duration that over time you just are so worn down you're like please not another moment of this like oh my gosh how I'm trying everything I can to hold on to my sanity um and I remember him coming to me one day and saying he just, he just came to me and I just heard him say what his words were, one day I will make this suffering up to you. At the time, I didn't believe it. And I remember like mentally saying back to him, I don't care if you make me the most beautiful woman in the world. You can give me every bit of wealth in the, in the world, that I'm the richest lady in the world, that I have every man want me and that I have all my immortality in the body. That will never make up for what you what I'm going through so I was basically saying to him I don't accept your gift because I was so angry because mm. I felt like it was such an injustice I didn't I just knew inside me I didn't deserve what I and it wasn't about being an innocent victim I just knew the extent of the suffering that I'd gone through for so long in my life um, and to fall so heavily when like for years earlier I had just done mediumship readings readings to people and I hadn't charged anybody so I was helping people and for then for me to kind of be thrown off this cliff I just I felt I know it sounds victimized. I probably did feel like a bit of a victim at that stage, but that inner voice again was saying this, every part of this was incorrect. But I, looking back, I needed to go through that so I could stand there when someone said to me, I've gone through this and I can't heal and your work is not going to heal me. I can stand there and say, absolutely, you've got to stand at that door and knock and you could, the door does not open until you've truly forgiven everything. But it took me five years for the door to even have a crack of light through it. That's how deep you've got to go with true forgiveness. And that's why some people give up. They give up too soon and they say it didn't work. Yeah, so I didn't end up having uh, samsara with my partner, but even when I ha- was in this decade-long relationship, he was overseas, so so I didn't see him very often. So my life has been a lot of segregation. Majority of my time is being with God and learning with Him. And He came to me one morning and He said to me that I've had a little girl, um, and that her, she is the treasure map, and she's here to save people from suffering. And her name is Samsara, as the Buddhists would call that cycle of suffering, birth, death, rebirth, because Samsara is here to undo this within us, so that we stop this constant cycle of birth, death, rebirth. And he also told me as well that uh, one day I would have my family and that it would be called the true forgiveness family. Yeah. And uh, I remember in that moment just uh, like being so happy and understanding that was a gift that he had mentioned to me all those years ago when I was so unwell that people would think I wouldn't wouldn't be able to speak to anyone or, you know, I was, I was going to be left a shell of myself for the rest of my life until I died, which was what was expected of me. Like the transformation that I have experienced is absolutely miraculous. So the decade of the 20s have arrived. How yes. does it feel to know that you have finally come full circle from that moment of being a, a deeply sad and lonely little eight-year-old girl in your bedroom who had a glimpse of eternal oneness? It feels, uh, I remember um, a moment uh, when I was in primary school and I was probably about seven. I had a thought, I can't wait until I'm, older and I get to stand on a stage and share the work that I've come to share with the world. That was the first time I realized I wanted to be on a stage because I'm very much introverted and, you know, to connect with God and want to spend so much time with God, you love to be in the cave. Um, but that was like a, a moment for me. 
because I was always holding on to this work. My life was going to start when I got to do the work that I came here to do. Um, I was a bit scared as I started to realize that it was coming time to share the work because I'd spent so much of the life broken and, and in the cave that what would it now be like to go out of the cave? Because um, that would then become a whole new set of issues that I'd have to face. But inside me is a uh, very grateful that God held me to get there here. To, it was a 40-year journey to get here. I feel like the, I know now that the reason why I was born was to come here to teach his true meaning of faith that truly heals um, and makes miracles happen, and I feel very grateful. I want to serve God, which I'm happy to be not married or not have any children. Um, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. So, you know, I, I know in life, as soon as you say that this has happened, then the ego throws a spanner <laughs> work. So you've got a whole different lesson. So I do pray to God and hope that I get to just stay with him for the rest of my life and dedicate my life to him. But again, I don't know what my ego lessons are. I may need, may need to have a special relationship with someone to go deeper and to find more pockets of pain or suffering and to undo them. You just don't know what's ahead. But I feel very grateful to be able to birth the treasure map into consciousness. And my function now is to make sure that she doesn't die. I think I actually write it um, somewhere on my website that the treasure map has now been found um, and she's back in the world of form. So my function now is to make sure that she stays here and that she flourishes and she grows because she's going to truly heal you and make you happy and healthy. And if it is time to lay your body aside, that next lifetime is going to be less darkness and my ultimate goal is that this is the way people in the future will just be thinking normally. Um, it won't be that I'm doing the treasure map. They will just stop them, their ego mind from wandering into fear, and which is a miscreation, and start to truly forgive to find the right mind, extend love outwards to a brother so that we're not feeling alone or lonely or, you know, we're constantly truly, truly healing each other instead of seeing someone that is suffering with depression, instead of standing back as a mother and watching your child, you know, go through addictions or mental illness, that... You're not talking to other people about it, but you're seeing the suffering your child is going through and you're taking that shadow that is on them and you're starting to withdraw it. You're starting to forgive within with the treasure map and you're doing it daily for them so that over the course of, say, three to six months, they're starting to pick up and to, to find that light within them again because if we don't start healing the projections or the, or the hate, which is what happens to, like, say, famous people and why they, they're light to start with and then they kind of go downhill because... Others see them, they rise, and they get jealous, and they start throwing these shadows of projection on them. So if they're not mm. constantly cleaning themselves up within, they become, you know, kind of engulfed in all the darkness, the projections of others, which is what, you know, God was telling me happened to me. Not that I was famous or anything, but it can happen, especially if you're sensitive. It's an intriguing idea what you say about the celebrities, and it does speak to our fundamental interconnectedness, which is not a, not a new teaching, but I love the light that you're shining on it, the the permutations that you're, I guess, exposing within that idea of our interconnectedness and how powerful we each are, you know, to yeah, when it comes to healing ourselves and others. And we just don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. But also too, like if you have someone around you that is suffering, you know, when I shared that experience where I went into the future and that that girl who'd been abused by her dad in his moment of death, you know, as, as Jesus was explaining to me, she was withdrawing the shadows that were on him. And he's saying, I'm so guilty. I need to be, I need to suffer because of what I've done. And so instead of lying in the body for say three months, they stay there for like three or four days of the suffering because you are withdrawing that guilt within them and saying, don't hurt yourself any longer. Like go, let go. If you're, it's time for your body to go, but you can save, you've got, so I just want your listeners to know that, 
if they find the right mind within, where this perfect love that connects us all, they have the power to move mountains and make the impossible possible if they so wish. So if you've got a loved one near you and they are suffering, you've got the power of perfect love within you too that has knows the way for you to go, the right way to go, and you've just got to access that. And one way is a treasure map. There may be others. That's not where I'm at. But as we've discussed, Karina, there's many pathways back to God. You've got to find the right path that works for you. And so today you've introduced the treasure map to us and as it's called, the treasure map. Treasure maps are often buried within a chest underneath the ground for many years and it's fascinating to me that 40 years after your encounter as a as an eight-year-old girl, you're presenting these teachings to us today and it's 2022. In the 20s, yeah. Yeah, it's in the 20s. <laughs> no, who didn't lie. <laughs> and not just the 20s but 2022, which is a, the 222 number is a key number. It's related in many ways to the understanding of the re-emergence of the divine feminine principle. So it's yeah. fascinating that your teaching is feminine in its orientation. So he said that she's feminine because she's powerful but she's mixed with perfect love and perfect love is a, is a feminine energy. And of course, so many of our listeners are women. It's the Spirit Sisters podcast. On that note, would you like to share any closing words with our audience today? Nothing surpasses the peace of God. Beautiful. And I love them. That's what I would love to say, (laughs) that love, we are all love, not fear, but they need to undo the ego mind. The ones that they hate or dislike merely projects from their own hate and dislike about themselves. So start to clean up their thinking by truly forgiving and they will change their lives and sending them all of my love that I believe in them. I know they can do it. They've got the power of God within them. Thank you so much, Tash. Thank you so much, Karina, for having me. It's been a joy and, uh, yeah, thank you for holding my hand. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. And don't forget to rate and review the show. Have an experience you'd like to share with me? Get in touch at my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story.